millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This episode of the Culp Option Podcast was brought to you by our Patreon. If you want to tell us which films we should watch, listen to up to two extra exclusive podcasts a month, or give us something to discuss in our new post credit scenes at the end of each episode, then please consider joining the cult and donating at www.patreon.com slash Getting in the mood, doing our 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 podcasting equivalent of like a, a vocal warm up, where I just talk in this voice, and it puts me in an engaging and um, an, an enga- is it engaging? Am I being engaging? I ran out of steam halfway uh, through. <laughs> I what I was doing. Um, you get. I, I hear you getting engaged. Yeah, yeah, I'm getting engaged to um to being single for a little bit longer. <laughs> Oh, have you set a date? Um, yeah, it's today. There was a whole ceremony and everything. <laughs> Did you invite all your friends? No, it was just me. Oh yeah. So yes, in a way. Oh, ouch! Ouch! I'm a goucher. Oh, okay. That was a little reference. Right. Uh, any Back to the Future, the animated series fans that are listening will recognize that as uh doc brown's catchphrase anyone who's a fan of the movies will not recognize that <laughs> yeah will not would not recognize such a lazily written and and horribly structured uh series of gibberish to be a, a doc brown's catchphrase richard i'd like to begin our and you're running the show so stop me if you want to do something different okay but i'd like to begin our first film franchise fortnight's post james bond our, our second technically our second franchise of 2020 because it took us so long to get through james bond yeah i'd like to begin yeah i'd, I'd like to begin with a little um example of what a lot of the dialogue exchanges in the expendables trilogy sound like okay um spoilers so, we are covering the expendables tr- trilogy on yeah. Film Franchise Fortnights, which is what you're listening to on the Cult Pop Show podcast. Yeah. Uh, it's a podcast where every two weeks we uh, watch and discuss a different film franchise. And I'm AJ and you are Richard. Yes. Okay, so Richard, here's how it goes. Can you say to me in your like gruff aged action hero impression, your best gruff a- aged action hero impression, some kind of cliche action movie cool line any it can be anything that you've heard or approximately heard somewhere in any action movie it's just been revoked yeah it has just been revoked that's what most of the dialogue exchanges in the, this trilogy sounds like it's like written on paper yep that's a cool line all right i'll say it to you you say it back to me and that's how a lot of it goes so let's with with that indoctrination into this franchise what are we doing richard uh what what are we doing aj we're doing the expendables trilogy yeah we are doing the expendables trilogy Hmm. Mm. interesting isn't it 
It is interesting. <laughs> I get it. You're doing the same thing hey, to me. Oh, I am doing the same went, thing to you. <laughs> you weren't doing a Bruce Willis impression, so I couldn't tell. I wasn't doing a Bruce Willis impression. <laughs> so I couldn't tell. Yeah, yeah you yeah. couldn't. Do you reckon we could keep this going the whole podcast? <laughs> no, if you hadn't pointed it out, be... people might not have noticed. It <laughs> would be horrible. That would be a horrible way to do things. Yeah, it would be a horrible way to do it. um okay so the expendables is currently a trilogy uh, which means that it consists of three films they came Ah. out in 2010 2012 and 2014 and i I don't you just love when it's like a nice neat year we don't talk about like release dates very often no we don't but i'm a big fan of when films come out two years apart it's a good one year is too short yeah 10 years can be too long for some franchises see cats and dogs um but yeah two years is the minimum and often most appropriate amount of time to wait between sequels i think unless it's like unless unless it's like an event thing like avengers where it's like tune in next year to see what happens next yeah sure sure yeah it, it, it gives the sense of like release one see how well it does make a second one you have a year to make it and then you release the following year kind of thing. Yeah. It's not just like, oh, they just fucking churned one. Like a lot, a lot of the horror movies we've covered, mm. like, you know, would go through a phase where it was like, you know, the three years, there was one a year and it's like, you're just fucking churning these out. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, like something like Cats and Dogs. Why are we waiting 10 years? Yeah. Waiting, twiddling our thumbs on the edge of our seat. Two things that do not go well. To get. One, one is when you're waiting idly. The other one is... So it's, you know, you're, you're in the middle of the road right there. Um, <laughs> so The Expendables is a uh, it's a series of films about a group of aging mercenaries uh, called The Expendables, led by Barney Ross, played by Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. And uh, the, the, the whole, like, hook of these films is that it's reunite well, uniting for the first time these uh, sort of 80s action stars. And the whole thing is, is intended to be a throwback to that. Uh, so having said that, uh, what is the first film about, AJ? The first, first film being directed by Sylvester Stallone as well, as well as written. He wrote all three. So it's, it's not really about anything too dense. It's about they've got a mission to do and... It gets a little bit personal. They've got to defeat a bad guy in a foreign country, and they do that. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, that's the first one. <laughs> yeah, so um, it's they go to a South American island to overthrow an, a a dictator, mm. um, and so he's interfering with the plans of this guy known as Mister Church, who's Bruce Willis, mm-hmm. um, and so he's the one that like you know employs them essentially yeah uh, and then it turns out that the dictator is actually a puppet being controlled by a cia officer um who is the real target of the mm. of the hit um what did you think of this film so i thought okay there's a lot of stuff i, I really want to say out in front and i'm just trying to figure out how to order it i didn't like this i thought this was a bad movie like this was not i didn't think the first one was fun in the way that even it's supposed to be fun i thought it was vapid i thought it was poorly put together i thought it was boring and kind of cringy in parts um and these these aren't my types of movies at the best of times uh but the first but i was on board to be like cool 
a dumb action movie. Let's go. It didn't live up. That's the first one, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, yeah, the, the first one, uh, it, it's like, I, I mean, without going to, because it's like, especially the first one, I don't really have that much to say about, but how it relates to the other two, I, I do. Yeah, sure. So well, let's just go through all three films and then we can talk about the franchise as a whole. So, um, what, the Expendables what does, 2 sorry, came what out. Sorry, what does Expendables 1 have on Rotten Tomatoes? Oh, so Expendables 1, uh, what would you guess it has? I would think it'd be sub 60. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like 40? 40%? 42. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, 64 with audience, though. Mm. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so The Expendables 2, which came out two years later, now directed by Simon West. Mm-hmm. Um, so Stallone um, stepped aside, and it's actually his first film in like 10 years wow. where he's starring but hasn't directed it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so, um, also, if you're interested, Simon West, he did like lara croft tomb raider mm. when a stranger calls mm. um uh, just a bunch of shit oh he did connie it was his first film oh, okay there you go so he's kind of one of those ones that he's been kind of right coasting off that yeah um, it seems <laughs> so anyway what is expendables 2 about uh okay so in this one the main crux of it is like there's still do people people don't want to know the the object x that needs to be secured do they it's every you know bad guy x it's the bad guys played by jean-claude van damme um and at the start of the film they are hired to to do the job to to steal something (laughs) and um and the the kind of crux of the film is that um their protege the expendables new protege um who's played by liam hemsworth is that right Liam Hemsworth. Yeah, yep. yep, yep. he is um, killed in action by Jean Claude Van Damme's character, and the remainder of the movie becomes sort of a we have to finish the job as well as get payback on Jean Claude yep. Van Damme. Yeah, 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 and it's all about um, plutonium and yeah. weapons grade plutonium. Um, and so yeah, Liam Hemsworth, who's killed in a very Jean Claude Van Damme way, mm. um, where they like one of his henchmen lines up a knife with Liam Hemsworth's heart and Jean-Claude Van Damme does his, um, his signature move, which is like a flying roundhouse kick, mm. uh, which drives the knife into his heart. Mm. And it's, a, it's kind of badass and it's also kind of sad. Yeah. 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 So, um, briefly, what did you think of this film? It's the best one of the three. It's just as stupid, but it ha- I had the amount of dumb fun with it that I was kind of expecting the first one would deliver. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. And um, also, so the uh, the team has expanded in this film as well. Uh, we'll go into the team a bit okay. later on. Um, uh, but Chuck Norris is introduced in this film. Um, he came out of retirement to do this. Mm-hmm. And he even makes reference to the Chuck Norris facts. Which were all the rage in 2012. <laughs> yeah, where um, they, they meet this character, Lone Wolf, uh, a reference to Lone Wolf McQuaid, mm-hmm. which is a character Chuck Norris played. Um, and they show up and they're like, I thought you were dead. And he goes, yeah, I heard that too. And then, like, so he he's like the golden god amongst the Expendables. Yeah. That when he shows up, everyone's like, oh, fuck, this is the guy. And then um, Stallone's like, I heard you got bitten by King Cobra. And he's like, yeah, I did. But, um... After five days of agonizing pain, the cobra died, which was apparently um, Stallone was like, oh, I asked Chuck, can we put one of these in the script? 
and um, Chuck Norris's wife chose that one because it's her favorite. Nice. I think this movie really highlighted to me how Chuck Norris jokes really were like baby's first meme, huh? Like there's a there's a there's a Gen X comedy about Chuck Norris jokes that you wouldn't get with more oh, yeah. a more millennial sense of humor. And hearing it at this, yeah, film, like the um like the Shaggy memes. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're more. I'd 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 fob them off onto the Zoomers as opposed to the millennials because I I want millennials <laughs> to have the the golden age of memes. But I don't know. Hearing another a ch- the first Chuck Norris joke I've heard in five years really highlighted like <laughs> man these never really were that funny were they <laughs> they're just they're kind of like a very basic form uh, i don't know not basic i don't want to be mean but it's just it's like something <laughs> the the age between me and my dad would find funny which is which is the generation that probably initially made memes uh i mean i found chuck norris jokes funny i did too at the time i at the time like the, 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 yeah they're a fun kind of uh you know experiment yeah like to to come up with these things of just like oh imagine the most like badass person possible yeah, sure. um and then just saying it's Chuck Norris for whatever reason mm, you know yeah but yeah so this this is clearly the best film I think mm. uh, it's safe to say and um maybe the Rotten Tomatoes Rotten Tomatoes score um you know reflects that maybe it doesn't what do you think uh maybe like so the first one's forty two I would actually still probably guess this one would only be about fifty or so. It's 68 okay there you go nice yep yeah um 67 with audiences interestingly mm. um <laughs> means almost nothing yeah and <laughs> this is also the uh the only film from the trilogy not to be nominated or win any uh razzie awards oh cool the golden raspberries which are you know the the oscars for shit yeah um but that's interesting uh, and so let's move along to the third film, and we've got a very um, exciting thing here for the Cop Option Podcast. Mm. We've got um, actually Sly Stallone, Sylvester Stallone, here himself to explain the plot of the film. Do you want to take it away, Sly? Oh my god, I thought you were going to play an audio clip or something. Okay, yeah, so it's, it's sort of the, the same <laughs> as the first film, but uh, and the second film, but uh, this time... Uh, Mel Gibson is the main villain, and he's someone from from Barney Ross's past, and he's like, hey, hey, I'm Mel Gibson. Oh, sorry, hey. sorry, hold, hold there, um, <laughs> Sly. Um, I, I've actually just seen just behind you that um, Jason Statham has just walked in. <laughs> hey, hey um, Jason Statham. Jason, Jason, if you don't mind, can you, um, do you want to finish the plot? Mm, okay. <laughs> so, after... One of the original, te- a much easier impression to do, I feel. Um, <laughs> after- That's interesting, because I don't think you're as good at it. <laughs> <laughs> after Terry Crews' character is downed in action by Mel Gibson's character, S- S- Sylvester Stallone's character decides that he doesn't want to be responsible for the lives and deaths of all his fellow expendable mates. So instead of being responsible for these 45 to 70 year old aging men, he recruits a bunch of 25 to 30 year old uh, men and women to go and enact revenge on Mel Gibson's character. I lost it towards the end, but um yeah, yeah i never yeah, claimed let's say, let's say towards the end i never claimed i've to heard be you do a really good statham before and so i was like i can do one line it, but... i can do one line as statham. yeah do it do it explain the story and okay do the it's, it's from crank i think or is it crank two and he's like got got the one up 
He's one-upping a bad guy while he's on the phone to him. And the bad guy gets real mad. And Jason Statham goes, calm down, you little penis. Um, and it's, it's <laughs> real funny to call someone a little penis, I think. Not imply yeah. they have There one. actually wasn't even the line I was thinking what of. What were you thinking of? Oh, then we're making the, the... a movie, wasn't that? <laughs> That's yeah, from the yeah, Crank yeah. 2 special features, which I've watched. <laughs> <laughs> it's where they get interrupted during during filming, and he's like, we're making a movie. It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, it's about... Um, yeah, the 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 co-founder of the Expendables, Conrad Stonebanks, mm. Mel Gibson's character, um, and he was presumed dead. And so this is like, you know, it's one of those classic like, this is too, this is too big a deal. Like, mm. and so they have to recruit a new team and all the shit. But it's also very uh, going by the Scream Three rules of trilogies. Mm. Um, that you know, the second one upped all the action, and then the third one is like, um you know take it back to your origin story and examine that i know i know what you mean um and can, if this can this double dovetail into a talking point that i had that i wanted to talk about no <laughs> absolutely not <laughs> um I, it does it does have a lot of threequel ideas but i also thought that um in a way the kind of the team in crisis the like i have to fire everybody and hire new recruits it's too dangerous we've got to end the expendables also feel, feels very spider-man 2 like i've, I've got a i'm giving up kind of thing right, which is yeah, also yeah. very toy story 2 also very chamber of secrets it's this this kind of template that i've seen in a lot of of second stories in a series, um, and the first Expendables movie, my one of my main problems with the first Expendables movie, Richard, is that I feel like this kind of movie either needs to be an origin story, how they all came together, or it's a hey, we haven't seen each other in ten years, let's get back together for one final job. But it's none of those things. The first Expendables movies is 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 just they do a mission, they're already established, they're still together by the end of it. Richard, all three of these movies are Expendables too. <laughs> they're all Expendables too. They, they don't they're all this they all feel better in my mind as being the second movie in a trilogy and i was so like <laughs> and it, it, that's why the second one's the best because it's also expendables 2 and is actually expendables 2 in the plot yeah i think it's like the 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 minor tweaks i would make to these films to make them to work as i would like them to as a trilogy mm. is uh expendables 1 is um pulled back into action yeah. and recruiting the team and it's like i haven't seen you in 10 goddamn years you show up on my yeah, doorstep the, and there yeah 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 <laughs> yeah the meta narrative as well as like oh dolph lundgren you haven't been in a movie since the 90s mm. like we're getting you back out of retirement kind yeah. of thing so it's like you've got that narrative to it and then the rest of the movie is essentially the same, but you have that. And you also emphasize because it's never really pointed out in any of these films that like these guys are quite old. Um, what the, are they though? Because Sylvester Stallone's got to be what? 25 years older than Jason Statham. And they're like best friends. Yeah. True. Jason Statham. I would not think of as an age. I'd think of him as new school. Like, in, in terms of yeah, the, yeah, the sure. actors which is strange because it feels like antithetical to what the movie's thing is yeah you know it feels like jason statham's character should be i don't know another 80s action hero i can't think of right at this moment <laughs> yeah um yeah but at the same time you know it's like 
you're training his replacement kind of thing. Mm. Um, like maybe it starts off in Jason Statham's character, Lee Christmas, mm. um, is, um, you know, he's the new leader of the Expendables, but there's this like, this old job, there's this other job that he has to like bring Stallone back out of retirement for like, you know, Stallone's the man in the chair now. He's like the chief of the hand and you're gunning your badge and he's pulled back into the field because they need to, whatever, Which you know, you sort can, of, you can, I'm sure. You, yeah. That's sort yeah. of what happens with, um, and let me see if I can get them all. Bruce Willis, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Chuck Norris, Harrison Ford, Jet Li, kind of, um, over the course of the three movies. All yeah. the, That's the role they all take. It's like man in the chair who's eventually pulled back into action. <laughs> yeah. But um, And then uh, Expendables 2 is more or less the same. It's like, oh, the team's back together now. But then they would disband at the end of 2. Mm. And then expendables three would be like uh sylvester stallone you know you have the thing of like uh oh this is this fucking shipment was stolen or whatever and he's like i don't care i'm out of the game and then they like slam the photo down on his desk and it's mel gibson's conrad stonebacks Mm. and it's like that son of a bitch you know i thought he was dead and then he's like i can't uh, involve the old team and this so then he goes and hires mm. the new team same as but then we still have that moment at the end where it's like you thought you could do this without us yeah which is like obviously they're going to come back in expendables 3 yeah but if you kept that out of advertising or anything like that it was like you know the the shitty kind of like sylvester stallone assembles a new team it's like oh god who cares but then you'd have the cool epic finale where it's the original expendables plus the new guys against yeah and like so so th- there is elements of what we're looking mm. for but they could just be a lot clearer yeah and I, I i i agree and i think i think that the reason the first film is just like the cut and paste mission without any substance surrounding it i think it's because idealistically they're they're like we want no fat on this movie right we just want it to be Mm. a shot of adrenaline but this i think the first expendables movie really highlights why story stakes and and personal stakes actually improve a film even if you think they're for little babies which i'm presuming is why Mm. they're not in this film like they they, i don't know they 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 make a film feel more lived in and more and the world feel better and and the the story more compelling which is why the second one i think is the best not because it's written that way it's just by virtue of it literally being the second one it has enough backstory to to supplement that yeah 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 well um just before we continue with uh, analyzing the trilogy as a whole, mm. uh, what do you think Expendables Three has on Rotten Tomatoes? I did, I did look because I was checking the cast and saw the Rotten Tomatoes score. Oh, naughty boy. Yeah, sorry. What is it? It's thirties, thirty something. Thirty-two. Which is it's better 32. than the first one, yeah. I thought. So I don't entirely agree. Yeah, with the uh, ranking. yeah, yeah. Sure. Um. So yeah, these three movies, I, like I, I find them so interesting mm. because th- there's quite a few different ways to read them, and um, one reason as well I should mention that I think the third one did so poorly, or like you know, is kind of the the not so much loved one. Mm. Um, is it's <laughs> I was trying to think of like I, in my head I was like I know there's a common expression to describe this thing, and I could not think of it, so I said the not so much loved one, um, the black sheep yeah sure if you want to be racist about it um (laughs) okay but um it's it's pg-13 rather than r-rated and the this 
this franchise has has had a little bit of a weird relationship with the r rating because you know the first one was like yeah fuck it let's do like hard r like just absolute like you said no fat it's just like Mm. fucking guns blood and one-liners and then the second one uh they said they were thinking about making it pg-13 and it's often reported that it was like chuck norris who's like quite religious and conservative and everything like that Mm. um didn't want you know to be in a film like that the, the coolest you know, yeah, thing ab- chuck norris yeah the coolest that. thing about chuck norris is he's a religious conservative <laughs> yeah fuck yeah king <laughs> cobra died after biting him <laughs> um but that, that's potentially uns- unsubstantiated but so there's uh there's conflicting reports where like the director says nah it was always filmed as an r stallone said we looked at pg-13 at one point and then we, and then you know, decided against it. Uh, But the VFX supervisor has said that it was shot as a PG-13 and then when they got by the all clear to make it R, they added all the blood in post. Right. Um, And so that's like, it's like Mm. all this vfx because and there's like beheadings that were shot they were just done through vfx the violence does feel real inconsistent in these movies yeah like they don't seem like they are rated on the surface but then like the amount of gore in them is like oh yeah i guess these are are r-rated actually it's worth noting as well and this was when i was because i because i did have somewhat of a good time with the with all three of these films actually um but like it opens the first film opens with them rescuing a hostage and so it's like you see there's this big dramatic reveal of the expendables who are standing on a ledge pointing guns at the bad guys and then it's one of those like oh you can't shoot me or i'm gonna shoot the hostage and then they just like shoot with a gigantic bullet seemingly um the guy like in his like in his belly essentially and his like stomach and hips just explode and the top half of him like goes flying backwards and it's so over the top and so gory that i was like this is the perfect introduction to what i understand these films are yes which is what do you think what do you think the target audience is for the expendables Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Oh, it's, I mean, it's it's repressed dads, right? right? It's it's divorced biker dads, yeah. Like it's it's yeah. they they drive Harleys. They they enjoy smoking cigars and playing with knives and guns with their friends. Um, and watching the first one, I was very cynical about this because, like, it ends with like the boys are back in town, the boys are back in town, yeah, yeah, and like yeah. this piss poor poem by Jason Statham, which you're supposed to think is real clever, but it's not. It's just a it's just a poem that kind of rhymes. Um, and I was so I was so laugh I was just I just thought it was laughable how like how aimed at that that you know the type of dad that has a man cave and wears leather jackets kind of thing but i do want to say something before we get to into making fun potentially of this demographic while i i find it cringy and while i do not relate to it i 
don't think there's anything wrong with that type of person. I don't think there's anything that wrong with these films. I like they they are not they are not there are there are a few things that you go like I probably wouldn't say that to a, a woman half my age if if I was <laughs> in their position. But yeah, other, yeah, yeah. other than that, it's like. You but know, dad, like those these divorcee dads would. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But but other than those things, it's like I, this is fine. It's not toxic masculinity. Okay. It's just dumb masculinity. <laughs> like it's, it's yeah. not so that toxic. I wanted which to is talk about this after all the James Bond movies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I I don't want to talk about this because there was a question I had made way through the 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 second film. I think that I wanted to get your opinion on, mm. which is like, should these films exist? Do these films warrant existing? Um, because they're for a very specific demographic, but at the same time, there's, of course, the argument that's like, uh, you know, there's every film is made for this demographic. Like, it's just a, a straight white male power fantasy mm, kind of it thing. It is a power fantasy. Um, it really is. Yeah, like, <laughs> it, it actually is. But, yeah, do you think that these films shouldn't exist? I think in a world of... Um, I was going to say with Fast and Furious in the picture. Okay, if there is a triangle of the straight white male demographic, and on one on the top is the Expendables, then it's Fast it's and straight, and then then it's Fast and Furious on one of the corners, and like James Bond, classic James Bond on the other on the other corner. Right, I feel like yeah. like that's sort of the dichotomy we're looking at because because Expendables is um, dichotomy, trichotomy, I should say, <laughs> triangle. Um, <laughs> because the Expendables is yeah, it's straight white men, but it's specifically divorced dad in their late fifties straight white men like have a barbecue with mm. your mates. Whereas Fast and Furious is like boy racer kind of <laughs> straight white men, yeah, yeah, and then yeah. James Bond is like they weren't as tough as the biker dads, but they were still pretty slimy in there the the 1950s versions of like a nice a nice guy complex right (laughs) yeah yeah so it's like if james bond is for like the ones that are still repressed Mm. and whereas like expendables is for like midlife crisis yeah these are midlife crisis movies (laughs) um i think i think that the expendables has the least wrong with it does that make sense i think it's the least problematic sure because it's just like, oh, whatever, people, these are just hobbies that people have. That's the thing. It's like these fun, enjoyable films that's like, you're seeing, because in, in my mind, I was like, I think it's really cool that these films exist. Yeah. That in the 2010s, all these like w- washed up <laughs> actors got together and had like a, a one last hurrah and they ended up doing well and they'd made a couple more of them kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. And, but then at the same time, it's like, you know, I mean, I guess if you're saying, like, I'm not saying these films should exist more than other ones that, you know, mm. uh, um, you know, representing minorities and things like that. Mm. Um, but which I think is often the argument that it's like, well, you know, we're getting why are we getting another Expendables movie instead of this or whatever. Yeah, sure. But it's like, yeah, they're, they're, yeah no, they're, they're a good time. And I think it's it's such a it's so clearly for a demographic that it's cool that that demographic has something so specifically tailored to them. Mm. Yeah. In a way, it's, it's it's like a fun experiment of like, you're given a random person off the street and you say, make the perfect movie for this person. 
you get expendables yeah. depending on where you <laughs> yeah. where you pick this person. Yeah, and I think I th- yeah, I agree. I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with that if we're not going to have the conversation about how there needs to be more diversity in movies. Um if you take that very yeah. very <laughs> logical and fair conversation out, then yeah, there's nothing wrong with these movies. Um and I think I think in a lot of ways what you're saying is kind of why the first one is the weakest because the first one was directed by Sylvester Stallone. What else? What did? What's he directed? What else has he directed? Uh, well, so he directed all of the Rocky movies except for the first one, the fifth one, and Creed. Actually, I don't think he did Creed two either. Um, he also did like the Rambo films. Um, he's done a lot of stuff. Okay, really, he did um the sequel to Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> because i feel like the re- one of the reasons the first one is bad is because it's someone who's trying to balance their ego with like get prioritize their ego over a bunch of other very big egos um and maybe the second ones are better because the director isn't on screen so he's not having to satisfy himself yeah at the same time i think sylvester stallone is you know often seen as just like a dumb meathead kind of thing that doesn't get these kind of things but he is actually a very intelligent hmm. person and I agree. very and a very good writer i'm not i'm not here to argue i actually agree with you and i was trying to be tactful of how i worded what i because there's no there's no reason to say sylvester stallone isn't a good storyteller because he's proven he yeah. is um and i don't know what it is then about the expendables one because i i brought up the ego thing and the fact that he's there are other action stars in it that he's trying to direct as well i brought that up because expendables one is like one of the worst utilizations of an ensemble cast i think i've seen in a movie (laughs) right like this is supposed to be the fucking irishman of action 80s action stars right but you get a lot of Sylvester Stallone, you get a lot of Jason Statham, who's a 2000s action star, um, and then you get Terry Crews appears near the start of Expendables 1, then he's not in it for so long that when he comes back, you're like, oh yeah, Terry Crews is one of the Expendables. That's right. Do you want to actually, the story behind that, and and this is again part of the like, I like Sylvester Stallone kind of mm. thing is that um so Terry Crews had a very small role essentially just what you see at the start you don't see him again mm. um, oh, he comes at, at the end and yeah. so yeah um no no so, so this is like his original role in the script oh. was just oh, okay. like tiny tiny part essentially just like oh look we've got some new and, and some old um kind of thing mm. and so I saw an interview with Terry Crews where he was talking about it and he says you know he was only on set for like two or three days kind of thing he had just like this small part just to hit like three or four lines um and he was like, you know, you know what? I'm working with Sylvester Stallone. Like, I've, I've got all these guys around me, and this is such a great opportunity. I like, I'm going to give it my all. I'm going to put like everything into this performance, um, even though mm. it's you know just a handful of lines. And then, um, while shooting one of his scenes, Sylvester Stallone continued to update the script and gave Terry Crews a bigger role because he was doing such a good job, and he could see like you know how much care he was putting into even just the small part and um so that's why there's a scene where terry cruz actually actually saves um sylvester stallone's life and that was written after the fact because he just had this great respect for what terry cruz was doing and when asked about like the casting as well stallone said that um he was you know he's been someone who's been on really hard times and was given a chance to make something like Mm. famously when 
rocky came out he had this like you know this the hottest script in hollywood but held on to it until he was allowed to star in it uh, which only like one person one studio let him do kind of thing and the rest is history but and so it was like these people that because he was like living on the street he was and and he had no money in his pocket kind of thing but someone gave him a chance and he was able to make it big and so he said that you know so he's he's been in positions where someone's given him a break like that and so he kind of wanted to rally together these people that maybe haven't worked in a while that have fallen on hard times and give them that again so that's like Dolph Lundgren hadn't been in a movie for like 15 years mm. and so it's kind of cool that and because because also a lot of these guys famously had feuds in the 80s because they're all yeah. up for the same roles like I think yeah, yeah. Dolph Lundgren and Sylvester Stallone hated each other on the set of Rocky IV um mm. Dolph Lundgren like broke his ribs and hospitalized him oh my god um Schwarzenegger and Stallone had a famous rivalry in the 80s as well because they were up for like every single role yeah, yeah. Stallone makes Rambo and then Schwarzenegger makes Commando um and there's yeah, also yeah, yeah. if you'll let me if you'll allow me uh there's also a, f- a funny um famous story where there was this absolute fucking dog shit of a script floating around um Hollywood and Schwarzenegger read it and because he, he said he wanted to be doing more comedies and um so his agent was like oh ch- check out this script and he was like this is fucking horrendous but he's like he's like leak it to stallone that i want to star in it and so they called stallone's agent and said oh you know arnie's looking at doing this film and so stallone's like oh well, well he's gonna do it and and you're i'm, I'm gonna take it first and so that's why stallone is in stop or my mom will shoot our second franchise in a row to be tied to <laughs> stop or my mom will shoot after james bond because uh roger spottiswood who i incorrectly called robert spottiswood in the daniel craig episode um directed uh both stop him or my mum will shoot and tomorrow never dies and richard is it time for uh mid midway through useless statistics yeah. the the Poorly return <laughs> yeah, the return of a segment we did for a little while maybe a year and a half ago that one of our producers jeremy told us that we weren't allowed to do it anymore because <laughs> it was because it was boring and then we mentioned it on our on our quiz episode last week overwhelming response from the fans saying bring back um up top useless statistics but we are about halfway through the episode so i guess it's just this is where they end up um and so let's here are some fun idiosyncrasies between this franchise and previous franchises we've done these are statistics for the podcast not for the movie yeah that's that's where the word comes from so this is also our second franchise in a row to feature a character whose first or last name (laughs) is christmas and therefore makes way for plenty of little puns um, Christmas Jones being from The World Is Not Enough, the Pierce Brosnan James Bond movie, where they make jokes like, I thought Christmas only comes once a year. Um, inexpendable. So Lee Christmas is um, Jason, Statham. Jason Statham's character. And there's a scene in Expendables 3, for example, where Antonio Banderas is sitting in the in the passenger seat because he's also in the <laughs> this franchise, <laughs> by the way. Um, and Sylvester Stallone tells him to get out of the seat because Christmas is coming. And and Antonio Banderas is like, but it's June, which is a little interesting insight into when the story takes place. <laughs> yeah. Um, on Antonio Banderas and Sylvester Stallone, this is also our second franchise where the third film in that franchise has Antonio Banderas and Sylvester Stallone show up in, um, but 
in Spy Kids, Sylvester Stallone is only in the third one and not in the other two. And in The Expendables, <laughs> Antonio Banderas is not in the first two and is in the third one. <laughs> and isn't this our third franchise where Antonio Banderas is in one of the sequels but not the first one? Mm, it could be after Spongebob and Shrek. Yeah. Um, yep. It's also our third franchise, Total, to use um, Christmas as a name after Lloyd Christmas and Dumb and Dumber. Oh, so third... Oh, my God! But they don't use puns in that one. It's, yeah. it's relatively ignored. Uh, that is... That's great. This is our... Ooh, We're just I coming up with say, some now. <laughs> no, so, okay. Depending on how interested people are, there are... There's, like, the amount of actors that are in these movies. It's like... This oh, is, yeah. You know, there's going to be a lot in them. This, so, like, we've, we've done Arnold Schwarzenegger franchises with Jingle All The Way. We've done... Um, um, Jason Statham franchises with Fast and Furious, which Ronda Rousey is also in one of them. Um, I feel like the glor- glorious return of up top useless statistics is, is not what people were hoping it yeah. would be because all, all I've got is, yeah, we've covered other franchises with these actors in it. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, let's, um, we, we don't have to, <laughs> we don't have to do this. Uh, we, we don't have to just, um, you don't have to do this. <laughs> um, but another another fun um, segment that we sometimes do is dumb IMDb trivia. Hell yeah! So um, this was on found on the I've only got one. It was found on the first Expendables um, IMDb page. Um, so apparently, the first Expendables is rumored to be the first installment of a trilogy of Expendables movies. Mm. Mm. So I look forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> um richard yes is arnold schwarzenegger a slut in real life because he cheated on his wife and got like the maid pregnant and that's that's true and now we have patrick schwarzenegger no that that wasn't patty schwartz patty schwartz wasn't um uh, that child i don't think but he did have oh, a child okay. with uh, in an extramarital affair. Because I feel like I have seen so many post heyday Arnold Schwarzenegger movies where all he does is bark his famous catchphrases from previous films, right? In The Expendables, you've got at least two I'll be backs. You've yeah. got a get to the chopper. You've got a I lied. Um, and those are just the ones I remember. I'm sure there's ones I just didn't pick up yeah, on. Yeah, put that I'm cookie not. down. <laughs> yeah, imagine if he said put that cookie down. <laughs> yeah, like everyone comes in and just quotes their less famous films. <laughs> yeah, well, so actually, Arnold Schwarzenegger hadn't been in a film for a wee while because this was around the time of his governor of California thing. Um, <laughs> his little phase yeah <laughs> um and then so i think yeah the expendable the first one was his first film in five or six years or something like that and mm. then uh yeah this kind of brought him back out of retirement and and he's not he doesn't do a very i don't <laughs> he's not very good in them <laughs> oh, yeah. which which begs the question is arnold schwarzenegger a good actor outside of terminator where he's playing like a yeah Joe found out a fun fact the other day about Terminator, which also relates to um, this film. But um, Mm. so when doing the the dub, the German dub for uh, the Terminator, they wouldn't let Arnold Schwarzenegger use it, uh, do do it himself and like, you know, record his own lines again in German um, because his specific accent is like super redneck. 
or like the you know the equivalent <laughs> of like trailer trash. And so <laughs> over here, a German accent's like fuck you, what a badass. But over there, it would be like give me all your clothes and all your and your. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be back. <laughs> So they had to get someone else to do the voice. And so uh, with these dubs, they like you, when you get the job, you're like assigned to that actor kind of thing, not just that character. So um, you dub that person in all of their films and uh, Stallone and Schwarzenegger have the same person. So they had to do two slightly different accents in German um, to make them Mm. sound different. Wow. Well, while we're talking about... um what a bad actor one of the cast members of The Expendables mm. is. Could we... Okay, you feel free to tinker with with the parameters of the spectrum. On the, the spectrum of good actor to bad actor, I feel okay. at, at best actor in the franchise, you've sadly got Mel Gibson. <laughs> Not that I, I'm cautious <laughs> to praise Mel Gibson these days, but my God, is he compelling in these movies. Um, um, are you saying he's the best actor in the French, like in these movies, or he's the best actor human being? <laughs> oh, the best actor in these movies gives the best performance right, okay, in the yeah, franchise. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, I feel like middle is Jason Statham or Terry Crews. Like perfectly serviceable, fun. Well, so the thing about their characters is that they're just like they're just charismatic in real life, and that's just mm. coming across to be playing these like charismatic characters, you know? Yeah, yeah, agreed. And at the end, um, you'll you'd have who would be at the end? Like Bruce Willis, at least in this movie, in these, in the, you know, these days Bruce Willis, yeah. uh, would be around there. Um, who else would it be? Like Ronda Rousey, Ronda oh, Rousey, um, yeah. What's his name? Randy Couture, yeah, <laughs> the, the UFC fighter. He's so bad. <laughs> He's also just he just stands out because there'll be all these like. Like, more than once, I had to look up who the other guy was. Mm. Because he's, yeah. he's one of the main... There's only six that are in every movie. Oh, plus yeah. um, Schwarzenegger as well, who's, but he's not really an expendable. Um, no. But it's Stallone, Statham, Jet Li, Dolph Lundgren, uh, Randy Couture, and Terry Crews. Um, and, and you've heard of all of them except for Randy yeah, Couture. Yeah, and I, I had to, like, more than once, I was like, who the fuck is this guy? Because you assume that he's just some... 80s action star who's aged out of their you know common their their look yeah um but no that's just what he looks like <laughs> <laughs> he looks like joe rogan he looks exactly like joe yeah, rogan yeah. Um, um so yeah he's not very good either anyone who's more of a wrestler than an actor is is <laughs> at shows in these in these movies yeah. um yeah, and, and we- like you said, Ronda Rousey's in this film because this is takes place in that two-year period where everyone, well, everyone, the studios really wanted to make Ronda Rousey um, like an actor. And she, because yeah. she, she, <laughs> she was an MMA fighter. And um, I, remember, I remember what happened. Like she, these, I can't remember which order these happened in. <laughs> so she retired from MMA to like, do films and then she did this in furious seven and like one other one um but Mm. she was supposedly cast in a remake of roadhouse um as as roadhouse um and then and then these movies came out and they were like oh god (laughs) um (laughs) and then she like got back into mma and she like talked it up talked so much shit about her opponent um nunez i can't remember first name um and it was literally like bell ding ding boom kick to the face she was knocked out um and 
that was Ronda Rousey's MMA career done because she just lost. It was like, I didn't even like MMA. And then um, now uh, does uh, WWE, I think. But um, she also mm. thinks that Sandy Hook was a government conspiracy. So, Oh, that's fun. Um, because, you know, we were debating um, whether or not it was it was kosher to single out Ronda Rousey as being bad mm. in these films when she's one of the only women given screen time. But I think yeah. that she's a bad person in real life makes up for that. Which which is fine to mention, but then I was like, w- like I messaged you today and was like, fuck Mel Gibson's good at this. <laughs> and I was like, is it then also is, does it then become sexist again to be like Ronda Rousey shit, but it's okay to, because she's a bad person to be like, but Mel Gibson though, God, he's he's so good at his job that his heinous crimes are forgiven. <laughs> his his anti Semitism I wiped clean because he gives a good performance in yeah. the Expendables three. So <laughs> that that's at least all out of the table. Maybe we've 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 got blind spots. I'm just saying, you know. Yeah. Let us know if these are if these are inappropriate things to to praise or uh, condemn. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I do want to, we we skipped over the um this really, but so how would you rank the films? Uh two, three, one. Yeah, same. I um like two. I think I actually think three has kind of the most interesting story. Like three was yep, the one where I, I was agree. actually most invested in what was going on because yep. Mel Gibson. Uh, you know, in spite of <laughs> his um, personal uh, misgivings, he's um, he's very good in this film, and it's the the personal stakes for Barney, um, Sylvester Stallone's character, just make the film more interesting. You know, you you have like someone who's mm. essentially his equal in every way because they they created this team together, that someone that knows all yeah, the yeah. secrets, um, and you know, it's like we saw this in Skyfall with um, Silver. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a common trait in. Uh, and, and villains, and, and especially in the you know, third films and franchises. Um, but yeah, I, I. But then it is just one of those things where, like, yeah, the second one is just better. But I could, if someone's favorite one was the third, I wouldn't necessarily be like, oh, what the fuck? Oh man, I would be so uninvested in that conversation that I wouldn't even say like, I wouldn't even tell them which one my favorite was, yeah. <laughs> because despite having a favorite. I don't really want to watch these movies again. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, these aren't making it into my hall of fame. So just uh, on the team, uh, it's worth mm. mentioning, because obviously these films star like fucking everyone. Some people mm-hmm. that they tried to get, um, they asked or turned it down or couldn't get a hold of, whatever. Uh, John Travolta, Nicolas Cage, Robert De Niro, Taylor Lautner, Clint Eastwood, um, Dwayne Johnson, Mila Jovovich, Jackie Chan, Steven Seagal, Charlie yeah. Sheen, Kurt Russell, Jack Nicholson, Tom Sizemore, Donnie Yen, Al Pacino, Ben Kingsley, and Ray Liotta. Mm, a lot. See, okay, here's the thing. I mentioned that it's trying to be the Irishman of um, 80s action movies before, but I think by the third one, it stops being about trying to get action movie stars and just trying to get movie stars. Kelsey Grammer is in the third yeah. one. He, has a he huge won a Razzie for his performance as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh man it's so it's so weird to get kelsey grammar because it's like that's right this time we've got mel gibson who yeah sure he was in enough action movies to to he wasn't exclusively action but i can understand then it's like harrison ford and it's like okay yeah no, no again like he's been in his fair share of of action movie roles then kelsey grammar okay he was beast he was beast. He was beast. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Well, so uh, it, it is worth mentioning. Um, 
Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, Ben Kingsley, and Ray Liotta were looked at for Eric Roberts's role in the first film, which is clearly where they went for someone who's more about bringing prestige as an actor. Of course, rather of course, than, yeah. Um, and Taylor Lautner was looked at for Liam Hemsworth's role. Of course, which good decisions on both counts, I think. Um, yeah. Because Taylor Lawton is a terrible actor and Liam Hemsworth is a good actor. <laughs> but also because Ben Kingsley, no, sorry, what's his name? Ben, ben Roberts. No, what's his name? Eric Roberts. Eric Roberts. Eric Roberts being in the same movie as Dolph Lundgren reminded me of one of the strangest little things in Hollywood, which is these two very different shaped men look the same. Dolph Lundgren mm. and Eric Roberts look like the same person but one is massive and one is small <laughs> do, do you agree or is that just some weird thing yeah in my I, I see where you're coming from yeah yeah Dolph uh, Lundgren I, I enjoyed him and I thought he was good oh you just wait we've got some prime <laughs> Dolph Lundgren franchises coming up at some point oh um, okay <laughs> well, just, just the one um so uh, before we move on to our segments, there's just one thing that I want to know if you, if you picked up on it. Um, but what did you think of the LGBT representation in these films? I did not pick up on it. Okay, so there's I, a moment... I the- almost felt like I was being aggressively told not to pick up on anything that could be construed as gay in these movies. Okay, well, so there's a moment at the end of the third one when they're all at the bar celebrating... And then um, Jet Li and Arnold Schwarzenegger's characters are like, they're there and they're they're ribbing um, Sylvester Stallone a little bit. And then they kind of laugh and giggle and Jet Li rests his head on um, Schwarzenegger's peck. And Stallone says, you guys want to get a room? And then they giggle together and say, you're just jealous. Now, to, to me, I was like, wow, is this like... Actually, and so I googled it. It is oh, like I know I've spoken out against this on the pod, but word of God, canon uh, from the director states that they they that they are a gay couple. Um, Aww, cute. and it's like um, I, I like I thought it was obvious enough in the film, and you know, LGBT representation I don't think needs to be like oh we're gonna go be gay together. Um, <laughs> you know, they don't you don't have to outright say it, but it's very there's very clearly something going on there and the way um sylvester stallone says you guys want to get a room it's not as in like like cut out that gay shit in my bar it's like yeah yeah um it's like oh you too you know (laughs) um so you know i i fully bought that i was like this is a really interesting development in these films it's the last thing i would expect in these films <laughs> the divorced biker dads won't be as progressive as sliced alone though it's so, yeah. um i really i thought the most palpable sexual tension in the franchise was between jason statham and wesley snipes um, in expendables <laughs> three because they sort of start out as like both battling for to be um sliced alone's right hand man um, and then at the end, they kind of like impress each other enough to earn each other's respect because they're both knife guys. Um, yeah. Uh, Wesley Snipes' character uh, refers to himself as the knife before Christmas at one stage. A That's fun pun. Fantastic. And and then and the scene in the bar after they've killed Mel Gibson and everything's all good, um, they each throw a knife at a dartboard while looking at each other in the eyes. 
um, and they both hit the bullseye, and they're yeah. just so close to each other, Richard. It was kind of sexy. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, in the first film, Sylvester Stallone says very sexy at one point. So <laughs> we've officially had our catchphrase said in one of the franchises we've watched. <laughs> I'll, I'll try find a soundbite of it. I'll put it in here where where Slice Delights is very sexy if I can yeah. find it. We need a soundboard <laughs> and just that's the only yeah. button programmed on it. Yeah. Sexy, right? Very sexy. <laughs> um so uh continue the franchise. So mm. there's um three to four um uh sequels at various stages of development. Now, after we finished recording last week and we got the expendables, I told you not to look up what is planned for this franchise because I was like, this is the most insane thing I've ever read. However, having okay. watched the movies, it's not that insane. Um, <laughs> um so there's this a, a sequel um coming out a, a spin-off slash sequel potential supposed to come out in December next year called The Expendables, a Christmas story. Um, and I was like, how fucking ridiculous is it that of all movies, they're doing a Christmas, like, but then, of course, it's actually a spinoff focused on Jason uh, Statham's character, Lee Christmas. And so it was yeah. like halfway through the mm. first movie, I was like, oh, fuck, that'll be it. <laughs> See, the thing is that that still does sound like... Um, a film we would come up with during our uh, what we did at Christmas time last year. Our, yeah, Christmas the franchise. Yeah, fr- franchises that need a Christmas special. That yeah. feels like that's what it should be. That's a good idea, and I would love more Jason Statham solo. Yeah, movies. this is our our second franchise um, that either has or is planning to have a spinoff centered around Jason Statham's character. <laughs> After Fast and Furious, of course. Yeah. Nice. So um, there's also an Expendables four, which. Um, is supposedly happening um pierce brosnan has expressed interest or like said he's in talks to be in it um mm. stallone has said that he wanted wants jack nicholson to play the villain you know who needs to play the villain in an expendable sequel who keanu reeves it's yeah, it's man. only a matter of time it's <laughs> like if i would bet on anything it's that keanu reeves will be in a future expendables movie if they're still making them yeah which it feels like they're not because they haven't been yeah, for yeah, exactly. five years. <laughs> so Stallone in twenty seventeen, Sylvester Stallone pulled out of the film. Oh, state uh, you know due to um, prob- problems behind the scenes. He then later returned and confirmed that was happening and that he was uh, involved. Okay. Um, Terry Crews uh, has pulled out of the film um, because uh, if, I don't know if you're familiar or how familiar you are with uh, his sexual assault case. Um, yep, where yep. he was the victim of sexual assault by a producer. A, a producer, I can't remember his name, but um, yep. or like an agent. And so he got a call. He says this in his testimony. You can watch it online. Um, that the producer of Expendables Four essentially said, um, "We can make things easy for you or difficult for you, uh, depending on whether or not you drop your case." Um, because Sylvester Stallone's agent is the guy that he is suing. Oh man, see, this is what has made the Expendables series more problematic then. It's more, it's more, it's more rotten behind the scenes than than in the text of the film itself. That's really sad. That's, that's a, because to me, that's an indictment on Stallone Stallone, as well. yeah. Yeah, that's sad. Okay, so Stallone is no longer represented by Adam Vennett. Um, because he retired. (laughs) So, uh, also. Okay, so potentially there's potentially good blood there yeah 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 potentially um 
and uh, Jason Statham said he would return, uh, essentially saying like it's a fucking dream to work alongside Stallone. And like I grew up watching his movies, and now to be written and directed by him is a dream come true. And I'll do anything he wants me to do. Con- concerning pledge after what we just heard. <laughs> in March of this year, it was confirmed by Randy Couture that this script was finished in 2019. And also Hulk Hogan claims to be in it. That makes sense. Potentially the most interesting uh, sequel or whatever planned or at some point planned is The Expender Bells. Uh, yeah. This is a, the all-female reboot. So in October of 2012, uh, the plans for an all-female re- reboot uh, were announced. The following year, they had... Is, is it a reboot or a, or a spin-off? Uh, it's unclear at this point. Right. But uh, entered early negotiations with Meryl Streep, Cameron Diaz, and Mila Jovovich to star... Um, Jesus and apparently, Christ. that sounds awesome. Yeah, <laughs> it's such a different, it's such a different pedigree of actor. They uh, are not the equivalent to like yeah. Stallone. <laughs> so they said they were looking for a female director. Um, and then by February 2014, Robert Lukatic had been hired as the director, um, <laughs> the director of uh, Legally Blonde. Oh. So Stallone said he's not involved with it, but he would like to see Sigourney Weaver in it. And then everyone was like, just mm. just cast her in a fucking Expendables movie. Um, but it was that's like, a good point. It is a good point. But at the same time, it was like, do you have anything to do with this? Nah. Okay. Um, who do you want to see? I don't know. Fucking sigourney weaver like um it's very like why would you ask a follow-up question i said i don't sigourney weaver and linda hamilton would be would have to be the equivalents yeah Yeah, Yeah, exactly to stallone and schwarzenegger and stuff so um the official synopsis for the film the expendables universe has a new team an elite group of highly trained female mercenaries are brought together for a covert hostage rescue mission once they're behind enemy lines the women discover that they will need to topple an evil dictator bent on world domination it becomes clear there is no such thing as the right man for the job the expender bells is the ultimate story of female empowerment and kick-ass teamwork um so all studios involved intend to production to begin early 2015 um, there has been no movement on the film. However, it was leaked that so the covert hostage rescue mission involves them um, going to um, what like a brothel and posing as high class call girls. The ultimate female empowerment mission. Yeah, yeah. It's never ultimate female empowerment when you put that in the logline, is it? Yeah, but it's like that. that that's such like a man's idea of. All right, what Very are women much. like doing? <laughs> um, yeah, dressing up as sex workers. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, uh, I didn't actually know about this until just before. I knew about the other ones, but um. So on February first, twenty twenty. So not that long ago, Sylvester Stallone, Chuck Dixon, and YouTuber Richard C. Meyer started an Indiegogo campaign for a graphic novel titled "The Expendables Go to Hell." It will be published through um, the Splato Comics label and feature Barney Ross, Lee Christmas, Gunnar Jensen, Yin Yang, and Toll Road fighting a supernatural war after they're killed in combat. Yeah, I wouldn't make that into a movie. Yeah, but it's but a, a graphic I, I'd novel. Dig that as a graphic novel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, well, so that's that, your... that reached its goal and it is coming out. Um, so, oh, cool. my continue of the franchise, it was supposed to tie in directly to what I was talking about before I said this, but um, I've, it's now been like five minutes. Um, <laughs> but I would love to see a, a spin-off centered around uh, Trench and Yin Yang, um, which is um, Schwarzenegger and Jet Li's characters. And, you know, just like, 
a, a wholesome little like a mr and mrs smith but with these two characters mm. even taking it even if it wasn't about them being gay there would still be an interesting physical no no it has to be that they're gay <laughs> of course of course it does but just just gently and arnold schwarzenegger fighting is an interesting yeah. concept yeah yeah because they're such different um styles of combat as well yeah, yeah, um, yeah. like it's yeah what well, one is is very precise the other one is just a giant hulking mass imagine if this gets made and it's like it, it, in 10 years it's considered like a pillar of queer cinema <laughs> and then it'll be like Al- podcaster alexander jones tried to remove the gay subplot from <laughs> from trench and yang i wish i didn't word it that way i didn't even need to mention that i could have just said oh that that those two would be an interesting fight but instead i was like maybe if it was still straight <laughs> <laughs> all right what's your uh continue the franchise Okay, so this is just Expendables 4. This is just an idea for Expendables 4. Cool. Um, <laughs> which, if we can briefly talk about titles, they're not really Expendable, are they? they yeah, well, yeah, when one of them does die, they're like, no, God! Yeah. <laughs> and they're not working for anyone, so they're Expendable to who? Anyway, sorry, that was a point I wanted to bring up earlier on. Um, like, you oh, know what I mean? Actually, they're not like a- actually... They are Ooh. working, it's revealed in the third film that they're actually like the original Suicide Squad kind of thing because they actually hired, well, the, the original team anyway was like hired by the CIA. So they would go into ah. these, um, you know, these, these kind of dark places like the, the South American mm. island where there's some evil dictator. They go there, they massacre everyone so the CIA can come in and just like arrest the guy without having to do yeah. any of the dirty work, which is actually nice, like, yeah. that was a cool, and that was kind of a cool reveal i thought would have been good and if we knew that in the first one <laughs> to, to to justify the title anyway okay my idea is mainly for the villain of expendables 4 should be someone our age richard a, a 26 year old um like overweight uh, no 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 not well he could be i guess but like like a, a mark zuckerberg type like a yeah. like a a smart a smart guy right like a computers guy essentially the polar opposite to a 80s action hero right like a right. like a nerdy young um more brains than brawn um because i'd really like to see uh, almost get another writer on board as well for that character specifically and write a villain that is that is kind kind of looks at the expendables the way that you and i look at the expendables right it's like right, this kind yeah. of like joke of a crew of like oh big tough guys yeah but you don't hug each other but you don't express your emotions to each other like all of this really condescending stuff but kill him like he dies in the end right absolutely that's part part of the the ethos of expendables is that if this is the correct way to be a man sick dude i'm down put me on screen a character like me on screen as the villain and fucking snuff me you know what i mean like do that <laughs> like have it take ages for them to get into a actual fight with him because he's too um you know hands off so he's like sending drones or or whatever but when it's just him and stallone in a room it's like one punch and he's his head explodes right like like cry yeah exactly i would love that i would find that so funny to if like me being represented on screen 
and then I'm murdered by by <laughs> the previous male ideal. Absolutely. That's how you make that. I don't know. I just thought that would be a, a fun way to represent both types as well as to be like, you know, the, the older the older demographic getting a one-up on the younger demographic yeah, sure. in, a, in a fun, pulpy way that everyone can enjoy. Nice. I like it. <laughs> All right, so we've only got uh, one proper segment now, which is a new one this year. It's called Rank Dat no. Franchise, um, no. where we take Dat Franchise and we rank it. We've made we made a ranking. Um, if you want to hear the whole thing, have a listen to our um, ranking the first ninety nine franchises podcast from last year. Um, mm-hmm. And so we're going to place it in here somewhere. Um, if you're wondering about this list as well, there's um, something we refer to as the nymphomaniac constant, um, which mm. is if uh, essentially it's the middle of the list in terms of quality because nymphomaniac volume one is one of the best films we've watched for this podcast, whereas nymphomaniac volume two was awful and so they completely yeah. cancel each other out and so if a franchise is more good than bad it goes above if it's more bad than good it goes below so the expendables first off does it go above or below nymphomaniac i think it goes below it i think it goes above it okay what's your reasoning um okay so looking at the films that are uh, that are just above nymphomaniac we've got high school musical spy kids an American Werewolf in London. Well, I mean, okay. Mainly High School Musical and Spy Kids. Both of those movies are about that they have trilogies of roughly the same quality, but then they have a fourth mm. film that's significantly worse. And they yep. still manage to be above. So I think that the tri- I think this trilogy, like the first one is fine. I didn't really care for it that much, but I had quite a good time with the second and third one. So I would say it's actually more good than bad. But that's not, a good reasoning. Not it's not great <laughs> yeah that's the thing is my i would say like even at the best of times i still wouldn't consider these good movies but they they achieve their purpose so i agree i think yeah so put it above um um what spy kids one above spy kids yep so is it is it worse than an american werewolf in london yes all right it's number 40 now <laughs> Sweet, there you go. And Richard, for our next franchise, for the next fortnight that we're going to be watching, um, this week it is a Patreon-decided franchise. We're over at patreon.com slash coldpopshire. If you chuck in $1, holy shit, that's such a small amount of money. If you chuck in $1 a month, you get to suggest and vote on which every second franchise we cover, as well as several other perks um, of being on the Patreon. Um, so our next franchise with, with the winning vote is from Jensen and it is the Mighty Ducks trilogy so over the next two weeks you and I are going to be knee deep in hockey movies logging into our Disney Plus our shared Disney Plus account <laughs> yeah and because yeah also yeah they're on Disney they're all, all three of them are on Disney Plus if you want to watch nice. along at home so the the Mighty Ducks trilogy um something I'm I feel just as out of touch with as the as as 80s action movie stars um like now i'm watching like 90s sport movies um what a fun what a fun podcast this is it takes us to such interesting places have you ever seen them i've never seen them uh, no i haven't it's interesting with these movies where there's obviously a lot of nostalgia for them for some people but not for me <laughs> no not for me i think so i might prepare. have seen the first one or parts of it on tv at least prepare for an objective <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> potentially scathing depending how good they are yeah. um, review um, of the Mighty Ducks trilogy 
Yeah. And yeah. And other than that, guys, if you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe to it on all platforms. We're on Acast, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. We've also got videos on YouTube and video essays and things like that. Give us a like on Facebook, a follow on Instagram and Twitter. Email us at media at gmail.com. Let us know what your favorite 80s action movie is um, mm-hmm. and why The Expendables is actually the best franchise we've ever covered. Why is it number one? Yeah. And then tell us why your wife left you. Um, (laughs) And how you regret um, introducing your 15-year-old son to weed at such a young age. Um, (laughs) um, Also, AJ and I are going to be making appearances on a couple of podcasts soon. Um, Mm -hmm. So we'll let you know when those are available. But uh, yeah, we both did episodes of Pop Culturally Deprived, which is Mm -hmm. uh, Matthew... I'm not going to say his last name because I mispronounce it. And Mandy... Um, and so we covered uh, films that uh, one of them hasn't seen, and then we're also going to be doing um, Mike No Yeses podcast, <laughs> random acts of cinema. Yeah, where we're going to be talking about an angel at my table. Yeah. Not often we get to talk about Criterion films, but yeah. I welcome the opportunity. Um, yeah, so thank you so much, guys. Um, and um, oh my god, Richard! Oh my god. Chuck Norris has just burst into the room. Oh my god. Chuck, no! I'm sorry what I said about you! Ah! Uh, 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 oh no! Uh, oh god! Oh, oh god! Oh god! Oh, oh my gosh. I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm standing up right now, mm-hmm. giving a standing ovation, because what an episode. I can't hear your clapping. Yeah. You can't hear my clapping or you can't hear me because of how loud my clapping is. Yeah, the second one. Welcome along, everybody, (laughs) to the post-credit scene, the Patreon post-credit scene, where if you donate more than $5 over at patreon.com slash coppopsha, then you can give us a little thing to talk about at the end of each episode. And today's uh, Patreon post-credit scene comes to us from Lucas Mayo, who is my flatmate, a.k.a. Pickle Darling. Um, that's right. It's officially canon that two F grade Christchurch celebrities live with each other. There you go. Wow. I can. You're in Pickle Darling's band, aren't you? No, that's a misconception. <laughs> so Lucas asks, "What's your favorite movie soundtrack or score?" Mine would be uh, specifically the track "In a Heartbeat" from Twenty Eight Days Later. It's such a pumping, fun scary score and i and i really love it um i've i've uh, that that was the first score i ever really remember falling in love with um in terms of soundtrack i really i always really liked the watchman soundtrack it's real like strange yeah, and man. like such a strange selection of songs for that movie it's got like simon and garfunkel and um 99 red balloons the my chemical romance it. cover of desolation row exactly fuck man yeah what a good song <laughs> what about you uh, as for me, this is one of those ones where it's like, I know there's going to be ones that I, I don't think of. Um, <laughs> um, but, uh, scores I really like, um, like Halloween is a classic. Um, I've got that on vinyl yep. and I've got the, the remakes one on the, not the remake, the 2018 version on vinyl as well. Um, I really like, um, Contagion's got a real cool score. Um, Actually, one of my favorite um, movie soundtracks would be Your Name that mm-hmm. we covered on Patreon recently. Um, nice. 
it's got there's it's obviously originally in Japanese, but they re-recorded uh, the 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 songs in it because they did like the score and they did some songs of, of it as well. Because um, it's like he got like a pop punk band to do the um, to do the soundtrack, and they re-recorded the songs in English, and all, all of them were in my top ten most played on Spotify last year. Nice. I also really like the Lost soundtrack uh, by Michael mm. Gia. Giacchino, Giacchino, um, I, I used to, I used to hoon that. Um, yeah, I think that's a, probably where my the extent. Actually, you know what? The Last of Us score is beautiful. Video games, not oh, movies. Yeah. The um, Last of Us the, score um, is amazing. Lego Marvel superheroes. Ah, oh, Lego Marvel superheroes has a because I watched <laughs> you play this. It has a sort of idle soundtrack, like the music that, or the score, sorry, the, the music that plays when you're not doing anything and you're just kind of wandering around the city is so somber and peaceful and a little bit sad and a little bit melancholy. And I remember listening to it just be like, this music is so not suited to a Lego game, you know? Like it, it belongs in The Last of Us. Kind yeah. Of <laughs> <laughs> go listen to that's yeah. the that's the takeaway for this post credit scene go listen to the um patriot the the um lego lego marvel superheroes soundtrack <laughs> yeah imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. <laughs> 